small or small boy or girl Brown, pink or black or white And welcome back to Barn Banter, the podcast for kids musicians by a kids musician. And holy cats, let's see, I've done about 50 of these episodes. I've talked to a wide range of performers and artists and uh, distributors and booking agents and all, oh, you know, I've talked to all sorts of people. But I've never talked to anybody like this and I've never, I've never been vexed before with a guest like I'm vexed today. And so I'm going to offer the, I'm going to beg the indulgence of the guest as I go forward. But here's a quote from NPR that I'm going to start with. And I, and it's going to be, it's one of those things where I'm going to, I'm going to say this quote, and then I want to get into the conversation to learn not about necessarily what this quote means, but how this quote feels. This is the quote about the guest today. Almost unfairly good at writing pop hooks and filling songs with pure joy. Can I joy. stop you? you can sure I stop can. you? I'm sorry. Yes, yes, yes. You, sh- you should just quote this as Stefan from Zoo Global as opposed to quoting it from NPR. Was it Stefan? Because I didn't get the... Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Okay. okay, cool. Sorry. No, that's perfect. Cool. That's, that's, that's the geek part Great. that I want is like the details. So the quote is from uh, Stefan, uh, Stefan, you may remember from Zoo Global, one of the godfathers of kindy music, inasmuch as he worked for NPR for a long time, established one of the first uh, columns on it on a regular basis, used to do reviews, and was really one of the defining voices in the independent children's music or the kindy movement. And this is a quote that, uh, that uh, he had about our guest today. The quote is, Almost unfairly good at writing pop hooks and feeling songs with pure joy. The energy is unending and inclusive and has that direct line into kids' brains that very few people can maintain. And I 100% endorse that quote as Cowboy Andy as I bring to the barn Tim Kubert. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Tim Kubart. Kim to Kubart? Kubart. Well, just that instead of Bert, it's Bart. Bart. Like, uh, like, like Bart Simpson. Yeah. Oh, well, when people cool. ask me, when people ask me how to spell my name, I say K-U and then Bart like Bart Simpson. That's probably very helpful. So, <laughs> so okay, Tim. So let's, yes. uh, we've, we've just met. Um, great to meet you. Great to meet you too. But Fan of the pod. Well, <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> blushing, blushing on the airwaves now. What's uh, what's interesting to me is as a as a children's musician, as somebody in this genre, that there there are are few check marks. There's a, if there was a checklist of things that you might want to accomplish in your career as a children's musician, um, you from the out from the outside seem to have pretty much marked every box in the list. Wow! But yeah, and but as a as a creative. A generator and as a person to person, what I'm curious about, because people people probably know you, they know your career, and I'm sure we're going to talk about what you've done and how you've done it. But I'm curious about how does it feel to be one of those rarities who's check marked so many boxes. Uh, it's 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 really funny that you're you're starting here because I talk about this a lot with my close friends. Um, okay. I and and when people ask me about my career off off camera and things. I, I talk about this a lot because you are right. When I, I started doing children's music when I was 19, 
Um, I started doing uh, really focusing it on on it once I graduated college. I was performing seven days a week in New York City, and I was working so hard um, for about eight nine years. I hardly had a day off, and I had my sights focused on my goals. Uh, I actually, when I was 24, 25, I was the director of a high school marching band. And uh, I know this is a bit of a tangent, but I remember uh, the first game we had, there was just, I don't even remember exactly what happened, but there was an altercation that the director of the marching band had to take care of. And it was just just whatever was happening, you know, one of the kids was having a problem with a kid from the other school or something like that. And I remember doing it and I had taken this job just because I saw the price tag. I mean, I, it was something that, you know, was seemed interesting to do. And it was at times that I couldn't perform. So it was in the evenings and things like that. Um, and I did this altercation and I was just in a bad mood. And I remember walking away and thinking to myself, at the end of this, you'll have a kid's music video. <laughs> because one season of the marching band paid for my first music video superhero. I was really, I was all in for a long time. I lived in a one bedroom apartment with four roommates mm-hmm. only because I was trying to save money so I could make stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could reach the goals that I had set. And I re- and you're right, I checked off the goals that I was trying to do. If you you asked me at 21, 22, what, what do you want out of life? I would say, I want to be in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and sing a song I wrote. Mm-hmm. I want to host a kid's TV show. And if they asked even for more specifics, I would probably say, I want to host a kid's TV show with a puppet at 30 Rock. And, and finally, I would say, I want to win the Grammy for children's music. I want to be, uh, you know, on Wikipedia. And when you look because when I first started children's music, I was like, oh, what should I listen to? Let me look at what won the Grammy. I was like, I want to be one of those. Um, and you are right. I was able to check all those off and we are starting in, a, in an interesting place here. I actually, I ended up tweeting about the Grammy this morning because it's kind of like Grammy time again. And I'll say what my tweet was, which I tell a lot of people, and I generally don't say on podcasts, but I think we are getting real today. Um, I say the best thing by far, the best thing about winning a Grammy is you get the incredible knowledge that you did not have to win a Grammy. Uh, that it, 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 I'm very grateful for it. I'm very grateful that it's, um, that, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a wonderful recognition. It's, it's gotten me into rooms in Los Angeles that just, you know, just say, if you put that in front of your name, maybe you can talk to Disney about writing a song for one of their shows or something like that. Mm-hmm. But in general, what I thought I would get from it for how I thought about myself did not happen. Maybe it happened for a month or two. Uh, that I that I had a different view of myself that I am I am a success now, uh, but after the initial kind of high of that wore off, um, it 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 I it it does not bring me that kind of lasting happiness. I can't eat it, and it won't get me into heaven. And it it took a long time to get there for myself to realize that that um, kind of looking for all this stuff uh, is is sometimes looking for your own self worth and and to make sure that 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 your self-worth is already there, I think is, is really important. So if I can like say anything to other kids, musicians, just the thing you're doing, if you're making kids happy, if you're, if you're showing up to the library and having kids jump up and down, or right now, if you're, you know, over zoom and making kids jump up and down, you are already bringing so much joy and wonderful stuff to kids. And I hope that your heart is just absolutely full with that. 
But how was the ride? Did you enjoy the festivity and the glam around it? I mean, the red carpet and the... Oh, yeah. Was that cool? For sure. It's an absolutely wonderful, exciting day. Uh, I mean, it's it's one of the best days of my life, for sure. Uh, the day that we won, I, I, I mean, I just... I, oh, <laughs> real quick. I remember I the first person I saw after I got off the stage was Alice Cooper. And... <laughs> And I had just given my speech and there's Alice Cooper and he's extends his hand and he says, Hey man, great speech. <laughs> and Aww. so, I mean, this is like, I'm not, I wasn't trying to be funny. Um, but I was just so flustered seeing him. And the first thing that popped into my brain was Wayne's world. So Alice Cooper <laughs> puts out his hand, says, hey, man, great speech. And I'm shaking his hand. And I promise I wasn't trying to be funny because it's not that funny. I was shaking his hand and I said, thank you. I'm not worthy. It came out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so it was definitely a pretty incredible day. <laughs> I'd hope so because it's a heck of a lot of work to get there. Yeah. It's a heck of a lot of work just to... Just to commit to making an album and then going through, you know, we've talked before on the show about the process. Yes. It's a lot of work and it can be, I mean, it was, it can be, it was, it was for sure the, the, the culmination of over a a decade of work. And so I'm very, very grateful for that. For sure. Uh, It made me realize that my favorite parts of trying to gain, trying to reach those goals was the actual reaching and not the obtaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the people I worked with while I was doing it. I mean, the the best times I've had are sitting around with my friends, writing songs and talking about our feelings and crying and laughing and making things that we love. And that is really where it is. And also performing. I mean, I initially got into children's music because I wanted to perform. Um, I was not a songwriter. I I wanted, when I was 19, 20, like early 20s, I wanted to get picked up by Nickelodeon or Disney and somebody else write the song, somebody else do all this stuff, and you can put me on stage and I can be super energetic and make everybody happy for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I learned quickly that probably the best way to do that is to do it all myself. That's a significant burden to take on to try and and do it all by yourself. You're talking kind of by myself. Well, you're talking about like the the 10,000 hours idea. Yes. I mean, as far as, well, as far as performing and like keeping a three and four year old engaged for 45 minutes to an hour, that is definitely where I put my 10,000 hours into uh, that uh, just seven days a week being in front of kids at pretty much almost every day of my 20s. You were performing before you were 19, though, because I remember seeing a clip of you doing an audition for Hercules. Oh. And, <laughs> it, and it it appeared to me, and, and I'm going to say this in combination with some of the other videos that you've shared uh, through social and stuff of your family singing and participating. There seems to be an environment that you came from that not only encouraged it to, yeah, well, you should do this as a hobby, but seemed to embrace the fact that you're you are an entertainer. Well, okay. There's, there's, uh, <laughs> I appreciate you bringing up those, uh, family videos. They are a lot of fun. I can, I'll, I'll talk to that in, in a bit. I mean, I was not raised as an entertainer. Um, I, I found it when I was in the eighth grade. I mean, my, my family actually are not entertainers. Both of my parents are accountants. Uh, my sister is a speech pathologist. She works with kids who stutter. Um, and I was not actually raised in a kind of entertaining 
forward family, more we were a watching family. I grew up on TV, absolutely. I mean, the thing that my family shares on Sunday nights, let's watch The Simpsons at 8 p.m. and let's all laugh. Um, So definitely there was a lot of joy, but performing was not there. I actually found performance uh, when I was in the eighth grade. I was getting made fun of on the bus so much. Um, And I was was scared to take the bus um, because there were a bunch of kids that would pick on me. Uh, So I... um, would ask my mom to drive me to school in the morning. And then after school, I would do anything because I didn't get picked on on the late bus. Uh, so I would just stay after school and join whatever club, join student government. Uh, and if there was nothing going on, I would go to the computer room and play Oregon Trail. Uh, and then and then it was just, oh, I guess I could be in the play. Uh, mm-hmm. So I auditioned for the play in the eighth grade just so I would have something to do after school. And when I did that, I found my people and I found the thing that I love to do and I love to be on stage. Um, so I kind of shifted everything around the eighth, ninth grade because of that and kind of focused on me as a performer. Mm-hmm. And I saw myself as someone who was going to be in TV and movies and on Broadway and, and not as not as a singing dancing Broadway person. I thought I was going to be in Tennessee Williams and things like that. Mm. Uh, and that's that's what I focused on throughout high school. I was auditioning and things. I was I was in commercials and and uh, saving up money for college, which uh, then uh, I studied dramatic acting in college. Um, and actually through college is how I found children's music as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I could tell that story real quick if you'd like. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, oh, I went to a Jesuit school. So part of a Jesuit education is service work. So when I was 19, I was um, taking a class that you had to do a certain amount of service work and then write a paper about it. And I always kind of was a little bit of a Pied Piper with kids on my block and things like that. I was generally like the older kid. So I was like, which is could be seen as odd, even though it shouldn't be odd for a boy to be, I was kind of like the neighborhood, um, uh, like babysitter and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like just kind of develop those skills to like play and read stories and things like that when I was in high school. So then in college, when it was, here's a list of places you can, uh, volunteer at, I volunteered at a shelter for women and children experiencing homelessness. And I would show up and take care of kids in the shelter and read books and help with snack time and things like that. The director of the shelter found out I played guitar and said, come bring your guitar and sing songs for the kids. And uh, I said, I don't know any kids songs. And he said, learn some, I remember. And I learned the wheels in the bus. I wrote a song called the octopus song. And uh, the first time I played for the kids there, it was just so obvious. This is what I'm going to do. It was really within the first song or two. I was like, oh, oh, this is what I do. And kind of threw myself into it starting then already finding um, like little jobs and things of playing, uh, you know, sing along classes and things like that, even in college at like YMCA's and things like that. Um, Is is that two to four crowd? Is that two to four crowd your sweet spot as far as uh, what, what you feel you can uh, not identify with, but yeah, that you sort of creatively gravitate toward? Um, I creatively gravitate towards a little bit older than that. As far as when I write songs, uh, as far as the crowd that I'm looking for, the thing that I connect with the most is a family. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, w- w- 
more than going to schools and more than doing sing-alongs, when, when I really feel connected is when it's a Sunday afternoon and a bunch of families are all dancing together and we're making really nice memories together as a family. Uh, that being said, though, is that having a career in children's music, I think it's important to be able to learn all those different kind of disciplines that playing a three-year-old's birthday party is different than playing on a big stage for a bunch of families. And if you want to be able to find as many gigs and things as you can in the industry, you should be able to do both of those things and to understand that you don't play the same songs and you don't behave the same way. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I like to say that I've played almost every gig that I, sh I, I never write a set list. Um, and if it's with my band, especially if it's with people who've played with me for a long time, we show up to what we're doing and I'm like, oh, it's one of these. And then I can play for that, which still, if it's, if it's a two-year-old's birthday party and I'm in the corner with six two-year-olds and one seven-year-old, I'll play the wheels on the bus and ask the seven-year-old to, to help me out. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but if I'm on a big stage on a Sunday afternoon and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a gazebo and, uh, and there's a few hundred families out there, uh, we're going to play all the songs for my albums. And, and there's going to be my friend who's wearing a jumpsuit and tap dancing and he's going to lead everybody in big dances. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's... It, it, it really depends what the thing is. And normally, if I've never done the show before, I just show up and I decide what the thing is once I get on stage. <laughs> so there's this oh, there's an aspect of you then that I'm curious about. And part of it is the, it happens during the 10,000 hours, I suspect, but it's also about the confidence. And it's about your clarity. Because it's one thing to have goals. It's one thing to say, boy, I wish I could run a marathon, having, having run a few marathons. It's oh, another nice. thing. Well, thanks. But it's, but here's the thing. It, it, it anybody can do it, but can you do it in a health in a healthy way? <laughs> not everybody not everybody can be you. Not everybody can do what you've done. And probably the path that you've taken, nobody else can actually take that because it's so unique to your own device, your own uh, choices that you made. But it seems that you have a certain amount of confidence you probably got over stage fright to a certain extent. I've seen your videos. You are a joyful presence on stage, and you have that super high, bright energy that's very contagious. And all of those elements are super important if you want to be a children's musician, a performer. But how did you... Are those inherent to you? Did you find those? Who influenced you I mean, along the way? I would say that I would say both. I mean, I would say that because the first time I played at the shelter, it was inherent to me because I was the type of person that could be hired to be the babysitter on the block. Uh, you know, a 16 year old boy being the babysitter. Uh, there's there's something in me that connects immediately that that can, you know, it just put out green eggs and ham and have a nice time reading it to kids. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, but then as far as confidence goes i mean sometimes still the gigs don't go well uh, but yeah. <laughs> i've done it enough times i've done it enough times that if it doesn't go well it's okay uh and i did the best i could and this has gone well enough that i think i did the best i could uh and it also when you talk about the ten thousand hours it's definitely that that it's it's to realize that like your energy and your song selection and how you're um, performing for the people in front of you. Like I, I often say I'm, I'm, I don't play music. I play the audience. And, 
and to see how I can get kind of everyone as much as I can involved. And that changes whatever show we're doing. So there's no, so there's, there's not really a script and there's not a set list. Um, however, there's a million scripts and set lists and places I'm going. Mm-hmm. And, and my band, they all know that, that after we finish a song, they normally know within the next few words, I say, what is the next song? <laughs> because there's one of seven different things I'm going to do. And they've done it enough times, too, that they're that like, I'll, I'll say three words. Mm-hmm. And my keyboard player is already setting up what the sounds are for Changing the next Changing the song. program. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Okay. That's a trust level that happens over time with a family yeah. band, with a band that's your family, I think. Yes, for sure. And um, yeah, I mean, as far as I do say, I, I, I kind of never get nervous for a performance um, because also because I mean, it, 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 I guess it's some kind of confidence, but it's it's detrimental uh, if if it's detrimental if you're nervous, it's detrimental if you're actually like too confident, too, uh, because you're there you're there to have everyone play and everyone have a nice memory and you're more of a facilitator than you are a performer. I, I find sometimes, uh, that I'm kind of trying to lead everyone to have a nice time as opposed to everyone. Look at me, everyone watch me. I'm such a good singer. I'm such a good guitar player. Cause I'm neither of those things. Uh, I'm, I'm just here to, to make sure everyone has fun. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of going back to the Grammys it may be something where you you say well this isn't this is about me but not about me i can receive recognition but that doesn't make me a superior performer relatively I, absolutely speaking. not yeah yeah for sure and uh any part of me that 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 split second that i might have thought it i am trying to not have that person in me at all uh that any type of winning kind of idea especially in the career we're in i mean that is toxic to think that 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 i'm i'm better than anyone else that i super deserve something more than anyone else uh and uh and because we're all here with the same goal of to enrich families and children's lives and supporting that in every way you can um I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the Grammy because maybe I, I can, it's, it's slightly easier to get bookings as well because, uh, booking agents look at that. Um, but the, but I always say too, the cat in the hat says, uh, to find the missing something, you must find out where it's not. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I thought it might be there, but it is not. So at least I have the knowledge that there, we should look elsewhere. You know, it's, um, not too dispel that but have you looked at the list of winners of the children's uh grammy the historical one i did of, the, uh, of, of like the lion king winning and things like that well even going further back richard burton uh, yeah one uh, boris karloff had mm-hmm. uh, one uh sir peter ustinov one i looked through that list a couple days ago and i was like wow this is the legacy this is the lineage yeah. and then the coolest thing for me was then to catch up to the last like six eight years and look at the stark difference between the performers now and what they're contributing and 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 what it used to be, which was more corporate. And I mean, there was mm-hmm. a lot of Jim Henson work in there, which obviously is awesome. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the music that's on there now, I think, is so much more. It's endearing to me, but I think it's more relevant too. you get like, you know, Skidoo coming out and doing social consciousness and mm-hmm. and your music uh, from the from the heart. It's just it's a different feel for what's going on out there right now i think i appreciate that yeah and i mean i i often think um 
often the nominees are always very, very good, especially because they're they're picked by peers. Um, so that's and so it's it's always cool, especially there's normally one or two albums that are nominated every year that I might not have heard. And I normally listen to all of them. And, and that I, I get pretty excited about that, that Daniel Tashin one that was nominated last year. Like I, I was like, I've never heard of this person in my life. Uh, but then I listened to him like, this is so endearing. Uh, so, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's great. And it like, it gives a platform and, um, but, but I also just want to say that like you can gain a platform, without it as well. I mean, go on YouTube and, and like Cuckoo Kangaroo is doing amazing stuff and letting everyone know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, and there's just, there's so many different avenues. Yeah. Uh, where, where are you at for this season? Cause uh, you just released a new single Labor Day, which I, ah. I really, uh, I really liked that. And because I do my research, I think that you actually wrote that a few years ago. Maybe like yes. four or five years ago. I wrote it then, seven years ago. Seven years ago. Okay. I yeah. saw a clip. I saw a clip like from five years ago that you you were gotcha. playing it. I think I think the first time I like made a little video of myself playing it was five years ago, and mm -hmm. and that and that was even like here's an old song I wrote two years ago. <laughs> uh, that Labor Day. It's almost. It's not even really a kid's song. It's it's just a song about a dog that I used to have named Penny, uh, and it was just Labor Day. I I I was alone with Penny in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and. Um, the whole city had seemed to clear out for the Labor Day weekend, and I, when Penny and I went for a little walk, hardly saw anybody in, in a part of town that there's normally so many people, and then I came home, Penny was sitting right next to me on the couch, and I wrote a song to her, and cried the whole time <laughs> and pretty much all the lyrics in that some of them I'm not even sure what some of it means but uh it was just kind of how I was feeling in the moment and I was playing a simple simple uh chord structure simple me melody and it was really from the heart and so I put up that video two years ago um I mean five years ago five years ago when my socials were pretty hot about five years ago because that's when all the postmodern jukebox stuff mm -hmm. kind mm -hmm. of happened too. So people were paying a lot of attention to whatever tambourine guy was posting. And then all of a sudden tambourine guy has put up a sad song about his dog. <laughs> Monday afternoon and all the little rooms have emptied out. It's quiet now in our city town. And all the busy streets have sunk into the sea. Everyone has fleed, now it's just you and me. But we don't need the noise. We have all the words that we say We'll put away your toys On this Labor Day We'll take a walk downtown To the shops that you know now they're special here We're lucky it's that time of year 
When the shoppers run away To the beach down by the bay They eat the August plums And soak what's left of the sun Cause we don't need the noise Cause we have all the words that we say We'll put away your toys On this Labor Day And I'll still be here Holding you, my dear When they all reappear We'll be alone again we don't need the noise Cause we have all the words that we say We'll put away your toys On this Labor Day On this our Labor Day Monday afternoon And all the little rooms Have emptied out It's quiet now And um, people seem to connect with it a lot And it's always just been something that uh, That day that people connected with that song a lot I was like, maybe one day I'll record it uh, So just a couple weeks ago I, I kind of put it together. Um, and that's sort of the way that I'm looking at things right now is just keep on making stuff. Uh, and the stuff doesn't need to be huge. Uh, they don't, it doesn't need to be the next big album or something like that, but how are you feeling? Can you do a couple songs? Can you put, put it out? I mean, the way that people, uh, listen to music and the way that people pay attention to, to artists is normally, you know, we're, we're, we're not Taylor Swift and we can't, we can't drop the whole album and everyone's going to listen to everything. I feel like kind of putting out things slowly and kind of keeping that, that going and keeping people interested. Uh, that's more of when you're asking about this season, that's more of kind of what I'm doing now is, is, is when I'm feeling like doing something like just kind of keep people interested, keep making stuff. Mm -hmm. The, you hit it pretty hard in April and May with the uh, webcasting the Tim's Breakfast Club uh, material. Mm. There was like almost every day you were doing a broadcast. And yes. then it seems like, and I've, I've noticed this from a few performers, not just in the children's genre, but across the board, is that somewhere around April, May, people were like, oh man, we this, this could be going on for a while. I'm going to try something new and different. And they got mm. really excited and then got kind of burned out after a bit because it is so exhausting to do For sure. daily video shows. Yeah, I was performing, I was doing it seven days a week, but I'm, I'm used to that. I mean, I, I could keep it going, but in all honesty, as far as the Tim's Breakfast Club thing goes, I was, I was doing about a 25 to 30 minute show every single day, just taking requests. The same thing, I would never 
write a set list just whoever's there i'm like what songs do you want to hear mm-hmm. and whether whether it was one of mine or it was the rainbow connection just i'm just hanging out and that's why it was i called it the bre- well, I mean, because it's one of my songs but also i was normally eating breakfast while i was doing it uh so i was just kind of drinking a smoothie but the point the reason i started doing that show was actually promotion for the other show that was happening during that time uh which was the birthday show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that um so i I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of full time a few things like I'm, I am a full time artist I, I I in all honesty Andy I don't have much of a life <laughs> like this is what I do it's what I love to do I have a few friends it's a global pandemic I'm home alone a lot uh, so I am making stuff and uh, you know trying to catch up with friends a bit over FaceTime every day and things. Uh, but I'm also far away from, I'm on Long Island. I'm kind of far away from anybody that I know. Um, uh, but anyway, so I, I, I'm often, because I, 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 I don't have Penny anymore. I don't have a family. I, I'm able to kind of keep a full-time job and be a full-time artist at the same time, mm-hmm. just cause I don't do anything else. Uh, so I have a full-time job, uh, that I work for a company called Hellosaurus, uh, that is, uh, an interactive video platform that will be out sh- soon. It's it's an it's an app for families, um, and it's kind of it's it. I think it's going to be the next generation of what uh, what video content is like because it is truly interactive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's by one of the uh, execs at uh, HQ Trivia. Um, so, did you play any HQ Trivia? It was, oh yeah, it was, it was, yeah, I know okay. HQ Trivia. So <laughs> I fail uh, so often. I fail yeah. often. So, so J- James Rubin, who is who is our CEO, was the first employee at HQ Trivia and the head of product. Uh, and he left HQ Trivia to start Hellosaurus, which is kind of take those interactive ways that HQ was kind of redefining what game shows were and do it for children's TV. So um, the birthday show was kind of almost proof of concept of that, which was a very early version of what we're trying to do, which is if it's if we're talking about what giraffes eat, hey, here's a giraffe right here. Why don't you drag some of these bushels of leaves into the giraffe's mouth? Mm-hmm. And kids watching on an iPad or a phone, because kids uh, generally watch about 60% of their content on iPads already. Uh, so... We're on these devices that uh, you can touch and they can hear you and they can see you. So why not harness all of that technology? Why use an iPad the same way you use a TV? Because the iPad can do so much more. Right. Uh, so, so we are in the process of creating shows and things where... Um, uh, hey, let's sing a song about an elephant. I'm going to put on my elephant trunk. Let's see yours. And then we can go split screen and the child can see themselves with an elephant trunk. Or, or hey, can you, uh, what sound does a cow make? And if the, and we turn on the um, microphone and your iPad knows if you said moo or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if the child says moo, gold stars can fall down. Uh, so we're kind of building out what those shows are. So my full-time job is I'm the director of development of Hellosaurus and what are the shows we're going to make. And the first one we made was the birthday show, which was every day in April and May. Uh, and I shot it on a green screen in my living room, which was on the opposite side of where Tim's Breakfast Club was. And 
So there were two shows at 1130 is Tim's Breakfast Club singing songs and screaming about the birthday show. Everybody go there and check it out. Uh, and but we made the birthday show to kind of be a proof of concept because we're a startup and because James has all of these kind of ins into the startup world. It was to it, it was to gain enough of an audience and to prove that this is something cool and to sh- and to see videos of kids actually playing it and then to see if we can raise money to to be able to make the kind of stuff and the kind of tech that we want to do to kind of revolutionize what children's TV can be. Well, yeah, and you're getting pretty close then to the crossover to direct education, to, mm-hmm. you know, pre-K uh, and maybe even older direct interactive, uh, you know, online education. Exactly. Online and, that, and that is, as a parent of two homeschool kids, um, anything that a parent can get to try and enhance that beyond what we're so used to, because in my full-time job, I write online training courses for adults. So I kind of see, I kind of see that the basically for kids, all we've done is we've taken the same model for adult training and certification and given it to kids with the smaller words, but it's pretty, Mm -hmm. it's just about as exciting, which is not at all very exciting. (laughs) So anything like that, that you can, you can find a way to create that interactivity. Uh, do you well, have the, any yeah. concerns about the fact that your passion then for this new project is going to change the trajectory of your other career? No, I would love knowing... for I would love for it to change the trajectory. <laughs> oh, okay. okay, so we're just going to go ahead and open up this page <laughs> of the book and start talking about that. No, it's it's really just kind of thinking long term about my career and who I want to be in the kind of life that I want to have that uh, I never want to stop doing what I do. I never want to stop making music and making families happy. And But I also, I, I just turned 36 a few weeks ago and I'm just looking at the life I want to have and having something that I'm helping build from the ground up that is not around me as the brand is very nice because me as the brand is very uh, it's 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 a daunting thing Mm -hmm. because you have to think about how you're going to change throughout the years as well and 20 years from now i app if the if the if the gig in dayton ohio comes through and we get to we get to do that thing and i can fly there with my band i can't wait that is going to be such a great day but I also need to make sure that if that doesn't, if that gig doesn't come in this year, we're gonna be okay. <laughs> that I, I, if if I have a great year as an artist and as a performer, that needs to be a plus. And if it doesn't happen at all one year, and this year is kind of one of those years, yeah. uh-huh. uh, I need to make sure that I'm okay, both both financially and both just, am I doing something? Do I feel like I'm contributing? Right. Um, and so, so. I, I suppose, I, I don't know, because also I've been doing this career for a long time. I've gotten a whole lot out of it that kind of checking out all the different areas, uh, you know, existing as a performer, as a writer, as and just kind of trying to be everywhere and being sort of more on the like exec side of things is also interesting to me. Just what is stuff that that uh, that is great for kids is interesting to me. Um, I actually say that if I wasn't a singer and guitar player, I probably would have gotten involved in this industry anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, that I don't consider myself a musician first. I consider myself a person who makes stuff for kids first. Uh, and it just so happened that I, that I played guitar and sang. When it comes to the branding aspect of it, and this is something 
but concerns me, and it probably concerns me more than it should in mm-hmm. realistic terms. But uh, d- we're during we're during this time we're living through a time right now where anything that we do in the public is amplified to um, an uncomfortable level sometimes, and maybe to an exaggerated level. And that's not to say that some people who are bad people and get exposed and called out and are don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Good people, I don't think it as much credit as they do. That's kind of the imbalance of the whole thing. What I'm saying is, for me in my local community, if I, if I um, as a performer, do something and it hurts my credibility as a performer because of my brand, mm-hmm. it could be the end for my music career. Like if we, you know, there's some there, if, if I, uh, you know, people may not book me or, or things like that. I have no idea what it would be like to be in your position with so much exposure and so connected to not Tim, the person, but Tim, the brand with ah. children and how does that, do you feel a certain sense of vulnerability certain sense of fear about that, about being um, misunderstood? I don't know if I I fear too much kind of being exposed or anything like that. I uh, I would just speak to um, the fact that it's it's hard when you are also the brand uh, because you kind of get lost a little bit on who is Tim. Mm -hmm. Uh, That, uh, you know, if I if I sometimes put on a silly hat and or or like a clown nose or, or just like I'm if, if I had a full-on character uh it might be easier because then I could just take that off mm-hmm. uh that and there's there's plenty of people who who are able to do that and it's and it's brilliant I mean Blippy is brilliant um but Blippy is someone else too and I I don't feel like I think his name is Steven because he is so different from Blippy that when he lives his normal life he is not Blippy Mm -hmm. Uh, but I feel sometimes that I need to uphold the like standards that I put my put on myself as a brand and I feel like that might be kind of hard personally uh, that I I preach as much kindness and care as I can and if there's anything in my life that I feel didn't reach the standard of what I'm trying to say, uh, I feel like I, I feel that very deeply. Um, so uh, and then also just like, who am I? Also, in, in all honesty, when I used to perform so much seven days a week, I kind of got lost in what is my personality uh, that because I was singing six hours a day. And then I, fa- I actually found myself coming home and being slightly, n- not depressed, but like maybe a little depressed, but like kind of grumpy, kind of like I feel like I gave it all away. Mm-hmm. And then I came home to a partner and I didn't know how to show up in like a healthy and and, and engaged way because all I did was try to engage people all day long. Uh, and, and I, and I kind of burnt out on, on let's make this room a nice room. Not that I was doing the opposite, but I just wasn't putting in enough care. Um, and that is something I absolutely struggle with as well. That like, how much energy am I putting towards all of this and, and not actually giving to myself and the people around me, uh, which is kind of what I was just saying. (laughs) I'm in this house by myself and, uh, and I'm making stuff. (laughs) (laughs) If you uh, if you were given the opportunity to 
participate in a darker project, in a project that was sort of counter to what I think maybe many of the people who know you, not personally, but I'm trying to think of an artist like I like Nick Cave. Nick Cave suddenly shows up and he's doing an album and he has some some heavy dark material and he's like, you know, would you? Hey, do you want to perform on this album? Have you ever been interested in doing like uh, something sort of in the opposite in the opposite direction than what your career has been so far? In 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 non kids music? Yeah. Oh, uh, honestly, not really. Uh, like I said, if I wasn't making kids music, I'd probably be writing more kids books. I'd probably be, uh, be trying to write scripts for kids TV shows. Uh, I, if I wasn't a musician, uh, I would, I, I would be involved in kids stuff. It's, it's absolutely the thing that I'm most drawn to. Oh. Uh, I haven't written a song that's not for kids since I was since I was like 19 years old. Was it good? Uh, that, was it a good song? No. no. <laughs> and also I, I, th- I think back on songs I wrote in high school. Like I had a, I had a pop punk band in high school named seven day weekend. And <laughs> yeah. I, I saw your face. Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't as aggressive. It wasn't aggressive. It was, it was, it was fun. It was like SoCal, like blink One Eighty Two pop punk. Okay. And okay. realizing I was kind of writing kids music then that I like our, one of our big hits was uh, a song about uh, not doing the summer reading. Uh, so <laughs> we're not and like showing. No, so like uh, I I I I like it's showing up the first day of school and like in English class and being like, okay, let's talk about the summer reading and be like, I did not do this summer reading. <laughs> and I it was why 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 was I um. Oh, why, why, why was I spent? Oh, got it, I got it. Why, why, why was I spend spending summers down at the beach all time, all night? Could I be any dumber? Now I just don't know what to do. Oh, tell me why, why, why was I waking up at noon watching Boy Meets World and the Family Feud? And now I am so screwed. That's what it was. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's great. That's great. And- and like that, I wouldn't write that now, but there's something in that that is already children's music. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. You're, t- you're tapping into the and, theme. And if there are any kids listening, you should do the summer reading. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the, older, the older Tim talking to the younger Tim, go read a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should, you should do the reading. I got some books around here. <laughs> Did you ever get a chance to meet Mr. Rogers? I did not, no. I, I mean, that would be absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, an, an absolute hero. No one has done it, done it better. Actually, what you were just talking about, um, about, uh, like Tim, the brand and, and, and Tim, the person, Mr. Rogers is a person who that did not exist. Uh, and that is my true goal. Uh, I mean, there are, there, of course there are some things in my life that I'm not going to get up on stage and talk about, but if I, the more, the person who's off stage is the person who's on stage. The person who's off camera is the person on camera. And also the person who shows up into a room is the person who I am on the inside. That is my ultimate goal, that mm-hmm. my true wants, my true cares gets shown up when I'm in a room, when I'm with people I love, I'm able to show that. And then that person is also the person that exists on camera, also the person that exists on stage. Uh, and the and kind of, th- that's why I don't, uh, that's why I go by my name. Uh, I would like to, I, I like that it's me. Uh, mm-hmm. And the more 
it is actually me, probably the less I would struggle with it. Um, and I, uh, and the more I could like just show this side of me. I mean, there, there's a, there is a, 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 a there is a character though. Cause the tambourine guy is a character from postmodern mm-hmm. jukebox. Mm-hmm. And that person, it is funny that like, my my only slightly I guess like adult non kids project is the one that I'm a clown in. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. That's yeah, and I've noticed that with the videos. Um, I was watching a few of them recently, and and when you enter, because on a lot of the of the production videos, not the live stuff, you mm-hmm. you enter the stuff starts, and then here you come, and you 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 know, you, you bring your performance to it. And this was one of the things that I thought was so not curious, but it was, it was, it was distinct that, like you said, and I guess I recognize it now that you've, you've defined it a bit more, but that does seem to be more of a caricature performance. I mean, it's you, but it is exaggerated joy. It is like amazing. And I don't want to say ridiculous, but I'll say like ridiculous in that really good way. Tambourine guy is pretty ridiculous for sure. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about tambourine guy, right? Sure. Yes. Are yes, we? Yes. Or we're talking, no, no, no. Yeah, we are. We are. Just, just making sure. <laughs> uh, and uh, I mean, it's funny when I perform on stage as tambourine guy. I I know if I meant it or not. Like sometimes I get off stage and I was like, oh, I just did those like moves I do, and I didn't really connect at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I go on stage as Tambourine Guy, uh, and if anyone doesn't know, this is uh, a thing from a group called Postmodern Jukebox that is uh, just a, a separate project that I do that randomly, well, I mean, it's brilliant, but it just took off. It was in my friend's basement apartment in Queens, and now it is just a worldwide kind of phenomenon selling out Radio City Music Hall and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, when I first started doing that, it was in my friend Scott's basement playing a Nickelback song like it was a Motown song. And I did not have any idea what I was doing. I w- and also, I wasn't Tambourine Guy the first time I played Tambourine in my friend's basement. Mm-hmm. I was just... I actually showed up... Be- and real quick, I'll tell you the what happened, how Tambourine Guy came about. Uh, I was with Scott. We were Scott used to be a piano player that, uh, that we would do Mommy and Me classes together. And he has played my music show like he 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 knows how to play superhero like he and he was someone i would hire to play kids birthday parties uh for 50 bucks you know (laughs) 50 bucks uh maybe edit that one out (laughs) uh he was just like scott was a good friend that i would hire to play kids birthday parties for 50 bucks and uh and i was with him when he was like there was there was a big thing going on in the news that Nickelback was going to play the uh, Detroit halftime show on Thanksgiving, and this was only a few days before Thanksgiving. There was like an uproar that how dare Nickelback play well, like Detroit has such a rich legacy of of music. And Scott was like, well, what if we played a Nickelback song as if it was a Motown song, best of both worlds? And I was like, that's the best idea I've ever heard. You need to make that happen as soon as possible. So throughout the day, we were we were at a uh, like a children's play center. And we were playing these classes and I was playing the guitar and he was basically playing the piano with one hand and texting with the other hand, trying to get a band together to come to his basement that night. Uh, Oh, man. And he found a professional uh, percussionist to come and play the tambourine. The only thing was that percussionist was already out for the day and didn't have a tambourine. 
And I did not live too far from Scott. And he said, Tim, can you just come over tonight and give me your tambourine? I was like, yes, Scott, I will come and bring my tambourine. And then 10 minutes before I was about to leave, he texts me, oh, that guy just canceled. Can you uh, put on like a tie and play the tambourine? I was like, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> and I showed up. And the first time I really, if you see a Motown tribute to Nickelback, I'm just kind of smiling a bit and playing the tambourine and having a nice time and enjoying the music we're playing. Uh-huh. And he put it up the next morning, and by the evening, it had 300,000 views, and everybody was calling me Tambourine Guy. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm Tambourine Guy now. And Scott, who is a very loyal person, it's been almost 10 years since then, and I still get to be Tambourine Guy in Postmodern Jukebox. <laughs> um, but uh, like I was, it, it is ridiculous, but I actually make sure that before I get on stage, I'm really centered. I normally do some meditation and some yoga and things uh, that if... I try so hard as a performer to find the joy of performing when I'm on stage, which I do as a children's musician as well, mm -hmm. that like if I, I, I try to legit be having a good time and which which means that sometimes the music can fall apart a little bit, which means that if if I mess up on the guitar or we didn't end the song at the right time, like literally just laugh it off and and enjoy the performance. And and I feel like that energy is more what kids feed off of than any kind of perfection or something like that. Well, I think the audience definitely uh, feeds off of that energy as tambourine guy, because that's. That's why uh, all eyes gravitate towards that performance when you're when you're when you're doing it. And on the flip side, you put in ten thousand hours, so you know that the basics, which are you can't just show up, you can't call it in ever. Yeah, you can't call it in, and you, and you don't need to show off. That's that's the other thing mm -hmm. that I. Well, you, you 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 need to make sure everyone's having a good time. People and 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 parents are there. Because grown-ups are there because they want they they want to have a nice time and they want to see their their children have a nice time or maybe learn something and they they generally are not there because because a rock star is in town. Mm -hmm. So, looking, we'll do a little bit more dive into the into the past. Where do you was there any uh, missteps? Like. Mm. I, I, no. some, I sometimes, no, that was, that was all good. Uh, it was I, all good. No. <laughs> so I, I talk about I, the, to the yeah. top three. So I'd like to ask is uh, on both sides of this, because your unique experience, your perspective is something I'll never have. And Oh, no. Well, but no, well, of that's, course, but that's my okay. unique experience you'll never have. But, right, 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 but, right, 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 yes. right. And what I've noticed is... Um, Okay, I'll just set it up this way. The, the, the afternoon that it actually clicked in my mind that a kid's performer could win a Grammy and that it wasn't Taylor Swift necessarily, that it was actually somebody who is just a person who puts out, who put a lot of heart into it, who put out an album and they didn't need a million dollars in a studio behind them. It, when, when that clicked, whether it's accurate or not, in my mind, it became an obtainable goal. It became a thing and with no idea how to get there. So as someone I'm asking you now, as someone who's walked this path and we were talking about the checkboxes earlier, um, I'd like to, I'd like to hear from you maybe three things and it's spontaneous. So if you don't get them the way that you want, sure. that's fine. But you know, three things where you're like, that was not a very wise thing to do and experience taught me better. And then on the other side, but these were the three things that I, I brought that have worked. And hmm. this is for, for people like me who 
our dorky kids musicians trying to trying to figure it out. Well, definitely the first thing that uh, that I, I think was a mistake was was my first album. I think was in general the way I did it was a big mistake. It cost way too much money, and I spent way too much time on it. Uh, I I I cared about every single note and um, and didn't. And just, I mean, I, it was mostly the money. Absolutely. <laughs> like I, uh, I, I could have done it differently. Um, uh, it, it's called Anthems for Adventure. I also, some of the songwriting, I wasn't thinking of the kid first. I was thinking of myself a little bit too much, uh, that I'm actually like semi embarrassed by some of the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking back, I think a, a, a lot of that album was a bit of a mess, uh, but of course, I learned a lot from it. Uh, but uh, it was definitely a little bit too thinking about myself and that I'm going to be a big star and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's and I didn't think of my audience first. Uh, I got lucky that some people gravitated towards some songs. That, that song Superhero is on that album. And um, and that really helped me take off in things. Uh and that, you know, just like put me into the world of the other like kindy artists at this time, which that, you know, that time that like, a little over 10 years ago that I feel like everybody talks about mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, golden that, like, age, the golden <laughs> age when uh, when, though I, I always felt when I was in the golden age, I, I, I did feel like if it wasn't the golden age, I would still be doing this, uh, that I was like, Oh, there's a community. That's cool. Um, but I like, I'm hustling around making this happen with or without the community. I love being part of it, but like, I'm, I'm, you know, at the JCC three times a week as well. Uh, just like that is kind of more the world I'm in. Um, probably the second thing that was, uh, I can, I can look back on and if I did something different, I would have also, when I look back, I probably wouldn't have done anything different cause I am happy how things turned out, but things that I learned a lot from, uh, was, uh, to, um, if I, if I want to really do this, if I want to make this my career, I have to do a lot of it myself. And, uh, there, there were opportunities that came up, uh, to kind of work for other people and things. And even though I probably learned a lot from working for other people, taking part in other projects, um, realizing that the long-term longevity of my career and the things that I want to do, both because I want to, uh, put what I have in my heart into the, into this industry. And also because I want to be kind of in charge of my own destiny with it. Uh, I eventually had to learn that I, I I have to do things myself. This needs to be my career. Um, probably with the exception of when I, you know, got picked up by NBC, uh, that, okay. Cause sometimes I know I'm a content creator. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes I get, I, I, I get a job and it's like, okay, I'll do whatever you say. That's something. That's almost probably the third thing. I'm going to save that for the third thing. Okay. But when I got when I got picked up by uh, by NBC, I made sure that I was still going to be able to be me. Uh, that I'm still going to play my shows. I'm going to put out albums, and that's going to be good for you too, because because whatever I succeed in here helps bring kind of credibility to what we're doing over at Thirty Rocket Sprout. 
and you know, I was very lucky that that Sprout at that time was totally great with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's probably the third thing is uh, also realizing when you're when you are working for someone else. That's a big thing. Okay. <laughs> that that is something I needed to learn. Uh, that that when you are there and you are getting paid and you are performing a task for someone else, which even if even if it's your name on the bill, if you're there because you're playing this birthday party and the parents want this to happen. W- realizing when you are of service uh and mm-hmm. and you and you and you need to fulfill that and sometimes in this industry uh sometimes I'm an artist and sometimes I'm a content creator and I'm okay living in both worlds and uh so so when it's me and my friend Matt and my friend Dom and we're making the music that we want to make more than anything else in the whole world and we're lucky that there are some people that that listen to that music that's great and I love that that's part of my career and I love that I'm able to fund that part of my career with that um however when I take on jobs when I'm working for Hellosaurus when I'm uh when when I was at Sprout I listen to my boss and hear what they have to say, bring up things that I think are my expertise, maybe bring it up once, maybe twice. Uh, but <laughs> once a decision is made, uh, to do the best you can within the lines that are drawn for you. Uh, so if so, if you, if you come upon things like that and you're really working for someone else to really do your best and give them what you think that they want uh, and, and not give them what you want. Uh-huh. And I needed to learn that because in my early twenties, I was I I, I kind of thought I knew what was right, and I've and a, as you grow, the older you get, the less you know sometimes. And it goes back to that idea of where you put yourself in the pecking order and the perspective of things around you. You get a show. You're you're on Thirty Rock. People around the world now are seeing your face every morning. That can do things to a person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm probably some things were, were, were hard, especially they could do things to a person. And then when it's taken away, uh, that can, that can be quite detrimental. That's probably my, my lowest point in this industry is after that ended. Uh, cause I wasn't sure what was next. I had so much of my self-worth wrapped up in the fact if it, it like I said, in my twenties, if you said, what do you want to be? I said, I want to be the host of a kid's TV show. And then when I was the host of a kid's TV show, people would say, who are you? And I would say, I'm the host of a kid's TV show. And mm-hmm. then when I'm no longer then who am I? Uh, so kind of that, like, um, uh, career-wise, that was kind of rock bottom, uh, kind of after all the goals. Uh, and then you have to kind of piece it all together and realize what are the actual things that make you happy. Can you sustain the career? Can you can uh, yeah? Can you make enough money, reach enough people, feel like you're doing good enough work, uh, and and have this truly be a career and work with the people that you love to work with? Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are more of my goals now than anything else. There's there's am, am I feeling creatively fulfilled? Am I able to keep this a career? Uh, one day will I be able to to um, have a family and support them by doing this kind of silly stuff I do? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are those so the checklist for tomorrow? The checklist is very different now. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's the, cool. The, yeah. What are the that, three? I, 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 there's yes. Well, and then so we shifted. Basically, you talked to us about not the regrets, but the missteps. Those bits <laughs> of knowledge that you had to learn maybe through the difficult parts. What are the three, uh, what, what did you bring with you that has helped you that would help somebody just coming into this when? Yeah. 
Um, I mean, probably some of them are kind of similar. One is is really to to serve your audience uh, to uh, to to think about what it, what is right for who you want to write songs for, and whether that's I want to write a counting song for for a one and two year old, or whether that's I I want to write a big dance song that a family can dance in the kitchen to. Uh, to think about that first, and is this serving that purpose? Um, and oh, the second thing is to really think about your live show um, that I kind of had to figure out along the way of like what actually is engaging that putting a bunch of cool downtown musicians on stage and like really like we're we're just slaying up there. That's not engaging. <laughs> I it's it's good if it's happening uh, and uh but there needs to be, at its core, not that. It's more that if that can also happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I try to do that kind of with everything. Like in even in songwriting, it's just we're we're serving the audience, and is this engaging? And and the third thing is, does this slay? Uh, but <laughs> but the third thing is is the last thing. And I try really hard to have something that the story is totally right for kids. The the message is something that grownups can hold on to, and the song sounds bananas. Uh, and if it can check off all three of those things, amazing. But in all honesty, if one of them isn't going to go, it's going to be, does this song sound bananas? And if the second one is going to go, it's, does this resonate with grownups? And the first thing is, does this resonate with kids? And that's what I'm always trying to do. So at its core, it's be that. If it can be all three, amazing. But if not, it's okay. And that's true of the show as well, mm-hmm. is are these kids having a good time? And if they are, great. Is this resonating with the grownups? If they are, that's even better. Does this, is this sounding bananas? Cool. But it, the first one is way more important than all the rest. Wow. That's tough to do sometimes, especially if you're coming from a different genre. If you're coming from mm-hmm. uh, uh, where you had uh, a rock band and that's where you came from. And now you're trying to figure out the kids music thing. That can be a tough sell because you're coming from the, the music matters first attitude, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do not. I'm lucky that I have two members of my of my kind of production team. Uh, all of my songs are co-written by my friend Matt Puckett, who I met in college. All of my songs are produced by my friend Dominic Falacaro, who I met in one of these jobs in my early 20s. Actually, that's kind of interesting. I was just saying that I had to figure out how to do it my, my own. <laughs> However, people who I met along the way while I was working for other people are the people who I work with now. Uh, so like I like I... I asked Dominic to play keyboards on a song of mine once, uh, the first song I ever recorded. He was there the second day of recording. And then someone was singing backup harmonies and he was just waiting for a ride home. And he was like, hey, I don't really like those backup harmonies. Can I suggest something else? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and, he, and, then he was, and then he suggested, they did it. And then he turned to me and said, can I come to every session from now on? I was like, I guess so, yeah. And then he produced the first record just for free, just so he could have the experience of producing a record. I didn't even know that you needed a producer. I just thought that you put, get some friends who play instruments and you record them and then uh-huh. you mix it and then it's a thing. Uh, but having someone who really knows what they're doing and, and wanting to shape the sound uh, is is it's is wonderful if you can if you can do that um, but what was I coming around to oh uh, as far as what the music sounds like I'm lucky that I have someone on my team who really cares Dominic really cares does this sound great and 
Matt really cares. Does this resonate? Uh, does this resonate like truly in your heart? Mm-hmm. And then I'm the person on the team that is is does this work for kids and could this be performed on stage? And when the three of us get together, we fight and we uh, and we argue over different things. There was there was a, a time that Matt and Dom really wanted the word baby in a song, just like baby. And I was like, but that doesn't like no like nobody cares about that. Like no one like. I guess it's like kind of cheeky and that's like something that would happen in a song like this is say the word baby. But like, why would I say the word baby? And then we sat there and I thought, we can say the word baby if the word I'm saying is baby. <laughs> and about, is it about a baby or is it about I'm my t- baby? Exactly. If I'm talking about a baby, I can say it. Right. So, so uh, th- that like it took a moment because they were like they're like, but it's so funny if you say baby, and I'm like, ah, but like because it was it was something else. It was like da da I don't remember what the words were, but then it was just baby, and but then we changed it and it was up in the high chair is where we feed the baby. <laughs> there you go. See that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> and 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 then that was all three things all together that like does does this resonate? I mean, it was like it was cheeky for for adults, but like but like if a kid doesn't know that this is cheeky, uh, just hears something that is about feeding a baby in the high chair, then that works for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, that that's actually goes back to the very beginning when you said like direct line into kids' brains. Like I don't I don't like something to pass by in a song that uh, doesn't work for a kid. Like wouldn't like a kid wouldn't understand. Oh, okay. So if it's too, if it's too, um, too above their pay grade, it's got to work on every level. Uh, yeah, all the I time. try to, I, I try to meet kids right where they are, uh, and and give them all the credit and speak to the highest of their intelligence. But there are things, something like sarcasm and things like that, that kids haven't really experienced yet. Mm-hmm. So I generally don't put any of that into the song. Mm-hmm. So if you were to like, if you were to look at any of your albums, the last two uh, building blocks, and then home before that, do any of did you write any of those songs for the parents? I wrote all of the songs for the parents. Okay. okay. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> but not exclusively uh, for the parents. No, nothing exclusively for the parents, no. Okay. I mean, it, probably the only song that is an outlier to all this is that Labor Day song that we were talking about earlier. Uh-huh. Um, that Because that song is just written for a dog. Uh, <laughs> but, but in general, something like um, Ready For You that's on Building Blocks, um, that song, it's actually about a dog. Uh, that song is about a kid saying that they take great care of themselves, they're, they, they, they work hard at school, they brush their teeth, they eat their vegetables, they take good care of themselves, so now they are ready to take care of a dog. But we don't even say the word dog until the second verse. Uh, the, the chorus is just, I'm ready for you, I'm ready for you, it's not just me anymore, there's room in my heart for yours. Mm-hmm. And that song is very much about Matt and I talking about how we are ready for partnership, we are ready for to be a parent, uh, and and this feeling I take good care of myself, and I'm I'm going to cry a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I take good care of myself, and I and I and I'm and I I'm ready for more is a feeling that we have, and then how can that translate to a kid's story? And so let's write a song about a kid taking good care of themselves and being ready for a dog. And can we tell both stories at the same time? But if we only are telling, but if, but never losing the kid's story, that is way more important than the adults. If we have to sacrifice, it's going to come out of the adult side. Mm -hmm. I, when I try to write songs about fear, 
I remember mm. being six and I remember having a nightmare and I still remember the nightmare. Mm. And I remember the feeling of waking up with my stuffy dog and the cold air of winter outside of my blankets and the light and the hallway I had to walk down to my parents' room and the fear that gripped me as I had to make those steps. And there was no that. concept of bravery. There was a concept of, I, this is where I can go to find safety. Mm. And, and so when I write songs for kids, I try as much as I can to put myself back in those situations. And oftentimes that's what, that's what motivates me to write are those strong emotions of joy, of f fear, of fear like that kind of fear. Do you There's... channel that or or do you channel where you are now? Because some of your songs That's... make me cry Thank you. when I listen oh, to them. Thanks. Like I listen to Home and I was like, oh man, like going into this Moving day is today. very sad. I can't oh, get through it. <laughs> yeah, totally. But, but I mean, I, 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 so that's an interesting question. One, I love what you're talking about how uh, channeling uh, kids and you were saying that um, you remember all this. Uh, have you ever heard, there's, there's a Maurice Sendak interview where uh, they ask, they ask him how he's able to, able to do what he does. And he's, and he says like, I remember being a kid. I remember all of it or something like that. Mm -hmm. that I, it's, it's really wonderful. It's like, it's like a CNN interview or something like that. It was it was very close to before. It was like very close to his passing. It was like one of his. I was probably his last interview, and uh, and he's talking about how he remembers being a kid, remembers it all, and and it's terrifying sometimes. Um, uh, th that's a great question. I probably first come at songs from like my perspective of what of like a feeling or a thing I want to write a song about. And then figure out what is the kid's story of that. Uh, that, in all honesty, I mean, since we're getting since we're getting real here uh, for, for for this ep, uh, moving day is ab is about death. Uh, I um, had an experience uh, which I had never had before, um, which was my uh, aunt was going to pass soon, and. Any, everyone who's passed in my life before then, I never really had, like, warning. And it was just kind of my aunt was given a few weeks to live. And uh, she was living, like, down by uh, Philadelphia, and I was in Brooklyn. And I drove to see her um, and had lunch and, um, and said goodbye. Uh, and, um, you know, she wasn't in a hospital. It was, it was, uh, it was, she was still kind of fine. And I had never said goodbye to someone before. Uh, and I drove back and cried the whole way home. And uh, I was with, Matt was actually there because this all sort of happened while we were writing home. Uh, and I came home and I talked about this and I said, what, what like, should, like, and I, I was so sad, but we just started writing. And like, what is, what is a feeling of kind of moving on and, uh, and that's where moving day came from. And that's why the chorus is uh, on moving day. It's what we take away. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, this is the second time this interview, I'm starting to cry. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so like that one, like fully came from my own experience and then trying to figure out what it, what is a parallel kid story. Uh, 
And I mean, I could have written the song that was about a kid losing a grandparent or something like that. Uh, I've, I've yet to go all the way there. I know s- some kids musicians have really excelled at it. I mean, Justin Roberts is my hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, uh, but yeah, try, trying to take, take the emotions and put it into a kid's story is normally what we do. Sometimes we'll start with actually, uh, the song that's coming out soon that might come out on this episode or, um, so, cause you asked for two songs. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, so the, the other new song, see you soon is probably more, uh, thinking about the kids perspective first that that, that song is about, um, uh, connecting with people over video chat. Uh, so just thinking about kids having a birthday party and their cousins didn't come and showing them the aftermath of the family birthday party that and wishing the cousins were there. But but then uh, and so then and then trying to figure out what is kind of some emotion in that where in all honesty, that's the same thing I'm having in this house by myself that mm-hmm. I can talk to my friends over video chat. So is there maybe we start with the kids, but like we really try to find something in the middle there for everything i'm not sure it is it connects with some people i don't know (laughs) at the end of the day i'm not really sure (laughs) well that is the beauty of writing a song in like four minutes where you're just like there it is well (laughs) there it is that's uh that's the the egg has been laid so just gonna live with it and then um i want to respect your time today and uh, i know i could keep talking to you for a very long time because i find I find your um, expertise very rare and your ability to continue to also be really admirable. I mean, it's not an easy, it's, well, it's not an easy gig to understand children and to entertain them and enhance their lives in this way. It's much easier, I think, personally, to use your creative energy to create schlock and try and just make money off of it by what's cool, especially when you get to a certain point of understanding kids and maybe maybe more would be understanding parents buying buying patterns. You could figure out a way to make a lot of money off of kids. I, I suppose so. Yeah, I mean, there is there's good schlock, though. There is like... So it's it's interesting. I mean, we, I've talked a lot about kind of like the art I try to do, mm-hmm. but there there's... I also like silly things that like when I was making silly things with Chica and uh, on on Sprout and uh, singing about fruit salad and things like that. I, I like that, too. Uh, mm-hmm. It just it, it kind of exists in two worlds. So we talk mostly about the art side of things, but the like kind of content side of things, it something that is just pure joy uh, is is also something I love, which I guess is where Tambourine Guy comes from, too. <laughs> that like yeah. Everyone, yeah. That, like our, our fruit salad song on Sunny Set Up had no underlying message besides fruit salad is good. <laughs> You've not listened to any of my music, I can tell, because it's, it's, it's actually quite vapid. It's mostly just silly, you know, stuff. Because I'm a big fan of the silly side. I think silly that that, stuff is great. I think it's super important to have that as well. I guess maybe... I have... Uh, I've, listened, I, I, I've, put, I've put you on before. I think there was a song about a chicken. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've written a couple songs about chickens. I like a lot. Have like you a, written a few songs about chickens? Yeah, lots of songs. I've well, we have chickens here, so I've I they're oh. they're, a, they're a common thing. Yeah, chickens for go the to eggs. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. oh, yeah. Cool. I, on my last album, we had a big old bowl of eggs, which mm. was about yeah. eggs. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't mean to disparage other people. You know, one of my favorite um, 
memories from Facebook was a picture of the Wiggles at a blockbuster video. I think it was in Long Island um, in the 80s. And it was on their wow. first trip to as far America. As I wasn't there. <laughs> and it was the Wiggles, the original four, mm-hmm. at a blockbuster with like one person with a bag of VHS tapes and and a kid kind of sitting there. And that was their crowd. And this was like one of their first appearances in America. I wish I was that kid. I was I on Long know. Island in the 80s. How cool. I went to Blockbuster. I know. <laughs> and but they but they had on their outfits, the purple, the blue, the yellow, the red, you know, and they were all there and they were, you know, performing to a, a boombox of some of some sort. I have I have performed for one kid many times. Yeah. But it was and I, perspective. And things. I'm not and I'm not done playing for one kid. I'm sure I'm no. going to show up and play for one kid another time. Yeah. Like it 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 there's there's no you, you, all of a sudden, you're just like, oh, I'm playing these like fun shows, but like the other ones don't go away, and and, and you got to be good at those, and you got to like those as well. That like, I and also, I mean, I think that's even true for every artist, not just kids artists. I mean, Aerosmith will play your bat mitzvah if you can pay him enough, right? Oh, yeah, I imagine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and maybe it would be a lot less than you'd expect because yeah, that, that would be a fun gig. I talked to I know, Brady Reimer oh, the other day, and he said yeah. like the farmers market he played over in uh, in London was like so much more fun than some of the big, big venues that, mm. that he's played because... Yeah, I've had a great time performing in someone's living room for seven kids. Like that's, I, I mean, that's, that's been a ball many times. <laughs> and, and now we're performing and, for our iPhones. Exactly. <laughs> and, and sometimes, uh, I mean, sometimes the seven kid gigs are, are, they pay better. They're just like, they, and they lead to another gig. Cause one of the parent parents of those seven kids got you that. Uh-huh. And, and cause some, and, and it's just me and my guitar and I'm, and I'm singing the lion sleeps tonight or something. And then sometimes I pile my band into a car and we drive to Virginia and we play for less kids <laughs> <laughs> and we like set up with a giant sound system. Like, I don't know anything. <laughs> Well, I think that's probably where we can end the conversation. Thanks that I don't know anything. <laughs> you don't know anything. Wow, I truly this don't. Is so disappointing. I really the expected, first, but no. The, like I said, the older I get, the less I know. I, I, like, I, I used to know too much, and I'm like, maybe a lot of that was wrong. <laughs> okay, so this is the part of the show where I say, uh, "Thank you, fill in the blank guest. It was so nice talking to you. We learned so much. Where can we find you? Website stuff. I do that because I try and be a gracious host. And generally, I mean it too. But today, it's a little bit different because I'm going to say, holy cats, Tim, you are so cool. And you're really cool on a personal and professional level. And uh, it was a little intimidating to go through looking at your resume and pictures of you online and being like, wow, he's, there's a picture of him uh, with, with Ernie. Oh, man. <laughs> I love Ernie, and I've loved Ernie I have been for able my entire to life. To hang out with Ernie, you got to hang I out love with Ernie, Ernie too. Oh, yeah. I am Team Ernie. I am Team Grover. I would say those are my top two. But yeah, I, I, I'm lucky enough that I get to write songs for uh, for Sesame Street and and kind of trying to work in that in in that world as well. That like some things are are for for my kind of performance and things. But I love writing songs, so uh, trying to like color in the pictures for other people is something I love to do. Uh, and lucky enough to have my foot in the door at a few places. I got to write a song that Elmo sings with Ellie Goulding and things like that. Oh. Uh, and I do I do all this uh, work with Matt and Dom as well, who are absolutely um, brilliant creative minds. Oh, well, it's 
So it's um, it was a gift that you could give me the time today, give me, give us, the listeners, the time today to share a little bit about uh, a little insight into your uh, your best ofs, your words of wisdom, and and also just to get a chance to to know you and hang out. That's like my favorite. You too, part. Andy. Absolute pleasure. So let's it's do really it again sometime. Well, well, I'd we, love that. We have tons more to talk about, and uh, yeah. Until then, be well. You too. That was my conversation with Tim. Kubart, which was super fun and super fun and really cool and fun. And you know what? I left some of the stuff in there that I would normally edit out. Things like where he said, you know, he would break in and say, you actually just said my name wrong. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming on to my podcast. Let me mispronounce your name. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? We had Tim and I literally let, we met. 10 seconds before the interview started via Zoom. And um, I was like, uh, hello, uh, Tim, I'm kind of nervous because um, you're really cool <laughs> and you're really cool and and I'm kind of geeky. And and we and, but we had a quick chat before the before we started recording the podcast. Things that you didn't get to hear the really cool stuff. And uh, I was like, look, just I want to I want to find out who you are. Because I don't know about you folks out there in listening land, but all too often I see the perception of someone who's a celebrity, someone who's achieved what Tim's achieved. And I, I just, I don't know what it must feel like to be that person. It seems like it's so otherworldly to see someone who's able to, you know, do these really cool things that, that I can't even imagine how you begin that process. And and to, to just get the book open a little bit and let them explain a little bit about what these things meant to them and how that worked. Super, just super honored that Tim was able to share his time uh, with me. We talked about in, in having future podcasts, some other topics, again, things I didn't share with you yet. <laughs> Secrets uh, about things that we were thinking uh, in the future that we would like to get together and chat about again because his wealth of knowledge is so extensive and his perspective is so unique and my fanboyness is so vast and wide and oh my gosh here comes my favorite part that's the part where you just edit down the podcast because it's over all right you mongrels i want to see you in the barn as soon as you can that's right i want you to go ahead and send me an email at fun and say i want to be on your podcast and 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 we can talk about the cool things in my world too because you're doing good things for good people i just know it all right go be well put that mask on be kind to each other get out and vote if you haven't yet and by all means, practice self-care, because that's what I'm going to do. Right now, I'm going to go take a nap. Bye! La, la, la. Oh, let's sing a song about how we're all the same. How we all like snacks and cuddles, and we all like playing games. We all like to be hugged and loved, up in our beds at night. Tall or small, boy or girl, brown, pink or black or Remember what my Angela said. Every storm runs out of rain. We all like to be hugged and loved, tucked in our beds at night. Tall or small, boy or girl, brown, pink or black or white. Ho, 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 let's sing a song about how we're all the same. How we all like snacks and cuddles and we all like playing games. We all like to be hugged and loved, tucked in our beds at night. Tall or small, boy or girl.